0: Three by two, trips to his left. That's where he looks initially, gets through it, drives the ball down the right seam. Cooper Cup has the catch, middle of the field at the 10, five, touchdown, LA's. Cooper Cup with his second touchdown of the second half,
1: and the Rams are back on the high side. Hertz is rolling, he's looking, he is firing, and it's caught!
0: The Tuesday NFL Doubleheader. Actually, there are simultaneous games more than a doubleheader, but a couple of games there. You heard Cooper Cup, who continues to run wild in this rampage through secondaries across the NFL. Nine catches, 136 yards, scores two touchdowns, and the Rams beat the Seahawks 20-10. Rams now 10-4, tied with the Cardinals for the division lead. PK, you were doubting the Cardinals all year. Do they look like the wild card team to you now? The Rams are over that three-game losing streak. They're back, baby, and they are going to handle this?
1: Yeah, I never thought they left. I mean, it's a long season. You lose games. I'm just fascinated that you use rampage as a verb rather than a noun. That was impressive right there. I've never heard that done in the history of my life, and I am old as dirt. So that was something that was uh, just unexpected right off the top of the 7 o'clock hour. So, yeah, I think the Rams are the better team. I've always thought the Rams are the better team, and then they add Beckham and Miller, and it just adds to it. Uh, at the same time, man, I think the league ought to just do this. Once we get done with the colleges, and and then at this time of year... They've got bowl games that pretty much only the people who have a connection to are interested. I did not watch one second of any college games, but I watched every second of the Rams-Seahawks game. It just seemed like it's it's a festive time of year, and I want to watch NFL football. So I think they might have stumbled onto something. I would try now going forward, henceforth and forever, to have games on Tuesdays like that because I was right there the whole time.
0: So they're done with buys at this point, so you'd be okay with the Tuesday to Sunday turnaround because the Players Union predictably will not be okay with that. I get where you're going from the viewership standpoint. Yeah, fans will sign off left and right, man. You're leading a parade there, and you got a long line of fans behind you.
1: How's it any different from playing on a Sunday and then
0: playing Thursday? It's not that different, and the, and the Players Union, I think they had to agree to that in the CBA, and now they really hate it. But you're right, it's not. It's the same amount of time in the turnaround. I don't know
1: if they were... It's all about making money. Well, they'll they'll
0: sell your soul for For money. For more money, right. Uh, The Rams are going to Minnesota and Baltimore the next two weeks, wrap it up with the Niners. So a difficult schedule down the stretch. The the division isn't guaranteed. But uh, they have... They've made up a lot of ground very quickly, that's for sure.
1: And the, only the first team gets a bye, so it doesn't yeah. really matter whether you win at the division or earn the wild card. I mean, it brackets, I guess, but you got to play the best teams at some point. The Eagles,
0: 27-17 winners over. Oh, one thing before we leave the Rams. How, how much uh, should, and I know we can always complain about refs, but wasn't that a flagrant PI that didn't get called there on fourth down at the end of the game? Wasn't that an obvious pass interference?
1: I thought it was, yeah. I did. Yeah. I, I don't thought, know if I mean, they would have won the game. They're I, down I, a touchdown. I roll with that stuff. You, you that tell me bad. when that doesn't occur, and then I'll rampage through my feelings. Rampage through. I won't feelings. go on a rampage. I mean, using that as a verb was just shocking, I've got to admit.
0: Eagles 27-17 over Washington. Eagles 7-7 and tied for the last Wild card in the NFC. Hurts, efficient, 20 of 26, throwing the ball, 296 yards and a touchdown. And the Eagles win again. Leonard Fournette expected to be placed in injured reserve, missed the rest of the regular season. They're hoping he's back for the playoffs. He's a game changer. Obviously, the Bucs could use him in the postseason. There is uh, no sense messing with him in the regular season. See if he can get healthy for the playoffs. Steelers coach Mike Tomlin told reporters franchise does not regret trading linebacker Melvin Ingram to the Chiefs who they faced this week. We didn't weigh their circumstances. We weighed our circumstances, but also to be quite honest with you and blunt. Melvin no longer wanted to be here. And for us, we prefer volunteers as opposed to hostages. Ooh, nice. That's pretty <laughs> yeah, right? Pretty good quote, <laughs> Tomlin. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Lucas doesn't find anybody, Gonna run to the far side, and he's going to tuck it and go. The 10, then he'll throw back of the end zone to Jesse Matthews. Touchdown, as it is. Lucas, back to make a throw, wide open for a moment if he got the ball there in the end zone in time. Tyrell Shavers, touchdown,
2: as Dennis.
0: San Diego State beats Texas San Antonio. They beat UTSA 38-24 in the uh, whatever Frisco Bowl. Both teams Tropical Smoothie Cafe. Come on, thank now. you. Both teams finished 12 and two. And Wyoming 52-38 over Kent State up in Boise. So the Mountain West improves to four and zero in the bowl
1: season. I did see that the uh, end of the game in Wyoming, they dumped French fries on on uh, the coach. That was funny.
0: That was good. There's uh, all the people who can do that are pulling on I don't know. Did they dump a smoothie on... uh, So they do not... Almost look like Gatorade for Brady Hoke. There's talk because there's the Duke Mayo Bowl. I know, I know. And they're talking about mayo Mayo. in that one. That's disgusting. I was like, that's awful. They were...
1: Yes, sir. You started your thought with so. We already got somebody else who does that every time. Uh, Don't do that. Yeah, I'm in trouble.
0: Uh, Mid- one note on that Kalani said last a couple years ago When he got the fries dumped on him Ice cold They've been sitting out for Way too long Oh really Yeah really? Uh, Missouri plays Army In the Armed Forces Bowl uh, Missouri running back Tyler Betty, Who led the SEC in rushing Is sitting it out He's gonna prep for the NFL Well so will I You're gonna sit that game out No interest Former Ohio State quarterback Jack Miller announced he's transferring to Florida to play for new Gators coach Billy Napier. Miller is a former four-star prospect out of?
1: Yeah, he's out of the Phoenix area, and I think Napier recruited him when he was on ASU staff, so I think that's the connection there.
0: Former USC quarterback, and on Slovis. Keaton Slovis will uh, transfer to Pitt. Former Trojan starter, figuring to replace Kenny Pickett. With the ACC champs. He's got two
1: years of eligibility left. Yeah, he's out of Phoenix too, and I have no idea what the connection
0: is. (laughs) They had an offense that showcased a quarterback who's going to the NFL. Can we go with that? I don't know how many guys they have back and all that stuff, but.
1: Maybe so. Yeah, I don't know.
0: Miami announced its football team is in COVID 19 protocols, but remains committed to playing in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl against Washington State New Year's Eve team and multiple positive tests
1: hey Miami now with their new coach they're going to play in the Tony Tiger Bowl I mean you got to look out for them because they're great <laughs> well played
0: <laughs> DJ and PK hashtag NBA
1: back out the to Tyler top of the key, <laughs> stepped in and then stepped back for three Miss Gracious Tyler Hero. Good to see you again.
0: Finds Randall up top, and now it's Fournier. 18 points, leads all scores. Three-pointer, nails it. Evan Fournier with 22, made four threes, and the Knicks
1: lead by 10. On up three. Oh, take that splash. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. That's a home alone reference, by the way. I got it, J.D. I'm getting over, man. I got it. Brunson
0: to the right to Neil Aquina. and back to Brunson against McDaniels. Pulls up off the crossover and hits the foul on jumper. Steps to his right, fires a three over. Westbrook and cans it. Devin Booker's feeling it here in the third. He's three for three from deep and has 20 points
3: to lead the Suns.
0: Phoenix Suns beat the Lakers 108-90 the final score. Of course, AD's out for a while. The Lakers are going to be shorthanded here. LeBron does what he does and goes for 34 points and 7 boards. But, even with Westbrook chipping in for 22, the other 3 starters scored 7 points combined. Not enough juice there, PK.
1: I don't care about the Lakers. I think the Suns are the best team in the league. I was excited to watch that game after the NFL game. I was going to watch the entirety of this game, and I believe the Suns are better than they were last year. A number of reasons that makes them better. Bridges is a better player. Ayton's a better player. They didn't have McGee last year. He's given them a huge boost. Uh, Landry Shamet, they didn't have – I mean, he's not a star, but he's a nice role player. I believe they're actually better than they were last year. I think they're the best team in the league.
0: McGee in the Hassan Whiteside type role playing 16 minutes off the bench, 10 points, 10 rebounds. They've been going nuts over Whiteside's rebounding production in limited minutes. McGee's doing the same thing for uh, Phoenix. Those are uh, getting a double-double in 16 minutes.
1: Yeah, I mean, Russian. they literally didn't have that player on the roster. The Jazz had favors now. Whiteside is producing better. I understand that, uh, but the Suns didn't even have that type of player on the, on a roster last year. And I, and I realize the Lakers, they're they're just an average team at best right now. But I was very impressed with the Suns.
0: Minnesota Timberwolves will be here to play the Jazz tomorrow. Mavericks beat the Timberwolves 114-102. to Jalen Brunson led Dallas with 28 points. Those are the Jazz next to opponents. Timberwolves will be here on Thursday. The Mavericks on Saturday. The Christmas Day schedule could be in flux. The Jazz right now are scheduled to play the Mavericks at 830. But that is one of the, the, the first and last game of the least important TV windows So the NBA Sent out a memo to teams. Woj had it. and The teams that play early and late may have to shuffle their games to fill the middle three time slots if uh, some team is unable to uh, field a team and a game's in jeopardy. So That Jazz-Mavericks game could end up being uh, a little earlier. Instead of being the fifth game of the day, it could end up
1: could in one of the other time slots. also be postponed, too. I mean, every game is in flux. Why, why are we signaling that, that day? Every game going forward is in flux.
0: Right, but I don't think your game time will change in a, on another day because somebody so j- else j- is getting Just attention. your day
1: will change. Okay, yeah. not, not not that big of a deal. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> or could be postponed. This is the world in which we live in.
0: NBA Commissioner Adam Silver told ESPN's Malik Andrews the league has no plans to suspend its season as COVID-19 surges throughout the league. says, we of course have looked at all the options, but frankly we're having trouble coming up with what the logic would be behind pausing
1: right now. Ooh, it. man, that's Republican of Adam.
0: Probably yeah. got that question because the <laughs> NHL <laughs> hit pause on their season. It was in response
1: to that, yeah. Ooh, Adam taking on a different point of view. That's interesting. You're not giving up that money. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't blame him, man. Who wants to give up money? I mean, they're not going to do it until they have to do it, is what it boils down to, and hopefully they don't have to do it.
0: DJ and PK.
1: Hashtag college basketball.
3: Oh, boy. Long pass. Whoa, it went in. Shulka puts his hands up in the air. Uh, That was an alley but Shulka's going to take it. (laughs)
1: 31-22. Just take it. Say you meant to shoot it the whole time, right, coach? You betcha.
0: Utah State beating Portland State. Humorous moment, and otherwise, the total blowout. It's a scheduled win. Portland State's a bad big sky team, and Utah State lit them up. 81-62. As usual, Justin Bean providing a huge stat line, 29 points, 12 rebounds.
1: That's Justin Bean Bryant, man. Get it right. These are just great times now for Aggies. I mean, you got their announcer just laughing. He's just laughing all the time now because every sports winning, or at least the sports he does. Who is that guy? Scotty G. Who's coach? I don't know.
0: I need more than yep out of the voice to uh, know what's going on. Utes beat it's- Fresno State fifty-five to fifty. Watched a little bit of that game, flipping around PK. The NFL games were on then. Both teams struggling to score there, but the U- Utes eventually get it done. I wasn't sure either team was going to make it to 50. At halftime, they weren't tracking for that, but they got there, and the Utes get the win and improved eight and 4 Over a Fresno State team that was picked to finish in the middle of the Mountain West.
1: It's Coach Lance Beckert, if you were keeping track of him. Who, Who'd he coach for? He's a former Utah State assistant.
0: Yep. UVU blowing out Washington. 68-52. to The Wolverines improved to 9-3 on the year. BYU in Hawaii tonight to play South Florida. The game's on ESPNU at 7.30. BYU going for win number 10. They're off to a 9-2 start tonight. And Dixie State in Cedar City is in Cedar City to take on Southern Utah. 7 o'clock on ESPN+. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801 295 1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Time now to bring in Taylor Johnson, development coordinator at The Road Home. The holiday mediathon continues. You can donate online at theroadhome.org or at 801 819 7300. Taylor, good morning.
4: Good morning. Thanks so much for having me on today.
0: Thanks for coming on here for a few minutes here to talk about the Road Home. And as development coordinator, I suppose you would like to underline how important this event is right now to the Road Home year-round.
4: You're right. You're right. So right now we are matching donations. Um, Everything will be doubled right now by calling 801-819-7300. And all of the funds raised both yesterday and today are going directly to helping people step out of homelessness supporting the vital programs and services that we provide every day, just like emergency shelter for the hundreds of people who are outside right now in need of shelter.
0: So I think people are familiar with the Road Home and the emergency shelter. Uh, The Road Home's been around in one form or another for 97 years, so there's a long track record there. But can you explain what you're doing with supportive housing? What is that? When people make a donation and it's in support of the supportive housing, what are you doing for people?
4: Yeah, great question. So, at the core of our mission is also housing. We know housing is the solution to homelessness. So, Supportive housing, um, that's when we have case managers who are able to help and be on site with people who have experienced long-term homelessness. And so in each of our different permanent supportive housing facilities, we have one here just over here on Main Street. um, That's for someone who's experienced homelessness for over a year. It's been a long time, and they just need a little bit of extra support um, by our case managers helping get adjusted to living in a single studio apartment style um, building community building connections and getting kind of reacquainted with with what that looks like
0: so I was uh, surprised to find out that that's now two-thirds of the people you work with are in that situation one-third are in the phase where they're in emergency housing so I, I assume that number just keeps building you've got long-term relationships with people in supportive housing
4: we do so we we do supportive housing um, and that's actually a in the supportive portion, which is the long-term homelessness, that's usually actually a really small percentage of people, but it's the larger percentage um, in our housing programs that we serve each day, and that includes both rapid rehousing for, like, families and veterans, and then we have a veterans housing program as well. So we we have housing programs unique to everybody's different situation. As we know, homelessness is not just a one-time experience, or sorry, not just a one one. experience, um, type of experience. Everybody experiences it in their own unique way. And when they need different support from case managers, from different teams across the spectrum to meet their need and, and have that stability.
0: So it's different for maybe a veteran came to it one way, somebody who aged out of uh, foster care came to it another way. Someone with addiction issues has a third experience and you just keep going down exactly a wide that. range of experiences. Exactly
4: that. And that's what our case managers do is then they work they hear those stories, they connect people with resources, they get people connected with the right program that's best going to suit them and their experience for that long-term stability um, and, and self-sufficiency.
0: If you'd like to help in the holidays, it's obviously cold outside. We all know that. You want to make a difference in somebody's life right now, you can call 801-819-7300. The Huntsman Foundation is matching all donations up to $1 million right now. 801-819-7300. Or you can donate online at theroadhome.org. Taylor, thanks for coming on with us this morning.
4: Thank you so much. This
0: is unright. You guys are doing a hell of a job. And I think about where Utah football is today. And the fact that Utah now is playing Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. And I don't know if I've told you that yet, but that's what's that's what's going on. And I remember back at that time, 35, 36 years ago, where there wasn't
3: even a snowball's chance that Utah would ever go to a Rose Bowl or ever play and compete against the Ohio State Buckeyes.
0: That is unbelievable. Catch unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kirey weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5 1280 The Zone, powered by KSL Sports. Merry Happy Christmas,
2: Merry Christmas, Happy
4: holiday. Merry Christmas.
2: listening on the trees outside Yuck, you're
0: getting into Christmas music I've never heard before. I don't know where you're digging this stuff up. You've never heard this one before? No. Wait I don't think I have. This is the classic men's scene like, late 90s. The love will show,
2: knows it's Christmas
0: I missed it. All, the kids will see. all right, it's time right now. We're going to talk, actually, in a couple minutes here with uh, Lincoln Kennedy, uh, radio analyst, and Pac-12 Network Analyst. But right now, we'll get started with the question of the day. Hot Takes Your Toast is brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair, it's 2021, and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment. Or visit www.utahairmd.com. Who's giving or getting Rose Bowl tickets
1: for Christmas? What are some of your better sports-related gifts over the years? It's Christmas time in the city. We're going to be off the next two days, so now is the time to gather around the tree. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's have our Christmas show. (laughs) I do suspect there are a lot of Rose Bowl ticket gifts coming up for Christmas. Yeah. So, I think the people who are giving know. The people who are getting may or may not know. There's probably some surprises, right. uh, but I do know some season ticket holders that uh, a mom said that she was gifting a trip to her daughter and they're going. And for planning purposes, the daughter already knows. So, of course, it won't yeah. be a surprise in, in that case, but in other cases, it might be. Well,
1: it was a surprise when she first told her.
0: Oh, yeah. Dan, best sports gift, a fly rod. Not
1: a fly boy, a fly, fly
0: rod. rod. Yeah, <laughs> A river runs through it. Let's get out there and start casting in the middle of the stream.
1: Nice ethics, fly boy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jessica says, I am receiving tickets for my family to go to yeah, Duty. Right. <laughs> <Howdy Doody. laughs> That'll never grow old. Nice
1: ethics, man.
2: <laughs> Get your stop, stop, Steve, stop.
0: <laughs> uh, Steve says, my two favorite teams played in the Fiesta Bowl. My wife got me tickets to that, as well as a three-pack of jazz games.
1: Uh, so, Notre Dame's playing the Fiesta Bowl. Who are they playing?
0: Uh, I don't know. He says played past tense, so I don't know if that... Oh, was played. The played. Previous okay. year... Um, the Utes in Pittsburgh (laughs) (laughs) a long time ago right (laughs) but it was awesome it probably were a lot of Christmas uh, a lot of Christmas tickets that year
1: we used to go uh, sometimes my family would come out from uh, New Jersey extended family and they would go take them to the Fiesta Bowl I can recall doing that a couple of times And then I ended up covering it. I went as a fan. Uh, Devils played in it. Played uh, Marcus Dupree in Oklahoma back in like 83, 81, 82, somewhere in there. That was an exciting game. So festival was a big deal. Festival actually this year is right before the Rose Bowl. I think it starts at 11.
0: It has been an early morning game different times. It's been prime time too. It's been all over the map. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But the granddaddy stays the same.
0: Parked right there in the middle of the
1: afternoon. Yeah, the only th- the only time it moves is when the dumb football committee thing makes it.
0: They made it a BCS final one year. I remember it was a night game in Miami sure. played out there, and it was weird. Well, <laughs> it was obviously, it's uh, dark on the opening kickoff. I'm like that's not right. Uh, SC and, and uh, Texas, SC in Texas. That's another occasion. Yeah. Here's a story for you. Jake says my brother and I each got a ticket to the Mariners game about 18 years ago. My favorite player Ichiro hit two solo bombs and the Mariners won 2 to 1. His second oh, nice. one hit off the hit it here cafe in right field. I will never forget the chills I got watching him run like a gazelle out to a gazelle out to his position in area 51.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, in just terms of hitting, Ichiro is right there with anybody. You named some of the great hitters. You know, obviously Pete Rose is up there, you know, leading the world in hits. But Ichiro, uh, I had an opportunity to see him in Baltimore when we were up at uh, the Jersey Shore. My wife, uh, we wake up one morning, she says, I want to go to a game. It's 9 o'clock. And uh, the Phillies were out of town. We'd already been to Yankee and Chase Stadium a number of times. So we drove three hours. That's all it was, just three hours. Got there in Baltimore at noon. I was feeling. at four of us. I was feeling uh, feeling my oats on vacation. What's the best seat you got? Three hundred fifty bucks a piece. What's the second best seat you got? <laughs> and uh, so there were only like a few rows behind, and each row went five for friggin' five that day. I will never forget it. Five for five, and I swear he was looking at the uh, positions of the guys. If anybody was cheating. Like if the center fielder was cheating in, thinking he might dump it into uh, behind second base, Ichiro pop one over his head. That guy was as good as it got with a bat in his hand. And there's obviously been some great hitters. I mean, I never saw DiMaggio or Ted Williams or any of you know those studs from way back. But, man, that, that guy was something.
0: His career numbers are really good, but think how good they would have been if he played in the majors before he was, what, 27, 28.
1: I I think that's why you have to include what he did in Japan.
0: DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in Lincoln Kennedy, Raiders radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He joins us on the SmartRain guest line. SmartRain's state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit SmartRain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Lincoln, good morning.
3: Good morning DJ and PK. It's LK. Okay. Happy holidays to all you guys and all your listeners too. So uh how you guys doing?
0: We're doing well. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to you. Right back at Good. you
3: there. Absolutely.
0: PK. So the start of the uh holiday season here is yeah. awesome if you love defensive football, but not so much if you like touchdowns. We got 9-nothing <laughs> games. We got 15-10, 19-13. 20-10 uh, to 10 on a Tuesday night game. Yeah, Is this the defenses catching up to the offenses late in the season and they got film and teams are meeting in division for the second time or is a lot of this COVID guys missing and it's way easier to plug in a defensive guy than an offensive guy and that's helping the defenses or
3: is it something else? It, it's a great point. Both of points are, are, are great and, and probably valid if you look into it deeply enough, but I, I think that you know we live in a, a, a time where there's so much uncertainty, even the guys that are able to go out there don't really know um, who they're playing with, because look, there's a lot of people that don't think there's sports, as, and chemistry is necessary in sports. But in football, it's absolutely essential. A quarterback has got to have a good chemistry with his receivers as well as his offensive line. If you don't, you have a quarterback who's not trusting. He's looking down at the pass rush. He's not really looking down the field. He's trying to take something that's simple and easy uh, just to get out of the the play and and, and come away unscathed. Conversely, on the defensive side, you know, you turn a guy loose. It doesn't matter where he comes in at or where he plays. You just say, look, go find ball. That's what most defenses do. Um, You know, you've got a little bit more structure in the back end with the coverage and stuff like that. But for the most part, go find ball, seek ball, find ball. It's a lot simpler, a lot easier to do. You don't necessarily need a whole lot of chemistry there, but it's good when the chemistry happens because defenses play better together. Um, With that being said, you know, to your point, it's it's anyone's guess what type of game that we're seeing this part of the year. Maybe teams are starting to save themselves try to get to get to the playoffs as unscathed as possible, uh, even when they have to win a central game. So uh, it, it's really up in the air. They, it could be a, a combination of both of your points.
1: Watching the Raiders, I, I hope you had a uh, refundable and didn't have to pay an exchange fee because they moved the game back a couple of days there. <laughs>
3: Well, what's funny is that I was in Vegas taping the uh, Silver and Black show for Raiders Network TV, and um, when when the news came down, so I just flew back to Phoenix, which is a 45 minute flight. I bought a ticket, flew back to Phoenix, and then changed my ticket, which I was supposed to leave for Vegas that day, Friday, go through Detroit, and finally eventually ended up Cleveland that night. um, I didn't leave until uh, Sunday morning, I think it was when I uh, when I left. So um, it it worked out for me to be able to go back home and see my kids. uh, uh, out of the day before I had to go.
1: I'm wondering if you thought, wow, that was an impressive comeback, or if you thought, man, they needed an impressive comeback just to beat a depleted Browns team. What's your
3: view on that? Well, any win is a good win. Uh, any loss is a tough loss. Um, the Raiders have been so inconsistent, I didn't really know what we were in for. It looked like they were going to be able to handle themselves easily after the first drive, the way they marched down the field and got a touchdown. But then everything you know, went, went to crap. Um, like I said many times before, any inconsistencies. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have a, the, a closing drive where Derek Carr throws an interception under the last five minutes. Um, and I'm like, okay, that's, that's it. That's, that seems to be the theme of the season but the defense goes out there and they play well for a couple of snaps. They get the ball back uh, to the offense, and Derek does what he can do so well being a veteran quarterback, managing the two-minute clock uh, and and, and getting down in position for a field goal. When you have... A clutch kicker like Carlson, um, it really helps because you don't have to worry about how much closer you have to get. You just have to get in position to do it. And he worked the clock beautifully. He had some great plays by Foster Moreau. The one time when Foster Moreau act like he was going to run out of bounds, and he faked the team out and he ran it for a couple extra yards and then got out of bounds. It was absolutely magical, especially after a holding penalty. So, um you know, this is what this, cap- this offense is capable of. You just haven't seen it consistently throughout the year. And that's the reason why they're 500.
0: I get stuck on the fact that uh, you moved your ticket to Cleveland. You didn't take the uh, extra day for all the tourist destinations in uh, northern Ohio.
3: It's, it's, it's Cleveland in December.
0: So you got three options here. I want you to <laughs> rank them. It is Cleveland in December. You got me there. My brother lived there for a while, so I visited yeah. in multiple seasons. Three options I'm curious which you would find uh, to be the most fun and which you would uh, go ahead and give the bronze medal to, leave in third place, and possibly never do. One, when you're downtown, I mean, you're right by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which blew my mind. It is very well done. I I thought it was awesome. I am a bigger football fan than I am a music fan, but Canton is not as well done as the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. However, it's an hour down the freeway to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, so that's one option. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is another. And then, uh, P.K., what's your favorite Christmas mo-
1: movie? Oh, well, yeah, the Christmas story. I went to that house and checked it all out, too. that?
0: Yeah, the the house they shot yeah. the exteriors at? Yeah. Somebody on the cast bought it, remodeled the inside to match the soundstage, because they shot everything on a soundstage in Toronto. And you can take tours there, and they got a gift shop. And visitor thing across the street, in another remodeled house. It's like its own little mini economy there. So one, oh, two, well, three. How my would third you...
3: option would probably be the, the Christmas Story House. Okay. but you know, um, and and second, I've been to Canton uh, for the, the Hall, Hall of Fame a couple, a couple of times. But the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is is well done, and I do I do like it. The only thing I was worried about, and, and Brent told me this, is that Saturday when the game was supposed to be played, the weather was was abysmal. It was it was foggy. You couldn't see basically your hand in front of your face, and it was. Jury and overcast, um, but Monday when they played the game, I mean, when I got to Cleveland, I was surprised because it's the latest I've been in the year, of Cleveland, and, and haven't there wasn't any snow on the ground. So uh, the, the day was absolutely gorgeous. Monday, uh, the sun was out all day. It was it, it got up I think to maybe you know close to fifty degrees, and then when the sun went down, it got cold. But I mean, it was absolutely a gorgeous day. I, much to my surprise that Cleveland had that uh, late that late in December.
1: Yeah, yeah, you can't beat that. I've been in Cleveland for work multiple times, and the weather sucked. I've been there in the summer on just uh, something for to do for fun, and the weather sucked. So, uh, you know, you, <laughs> you, can, you never know what you're going to get. Know. We were talking about this the other day, G.J. and I. You know, there's a best team in the AFC, and I think that would be say that was the, uh, the Chiefs, and there's always going to be a best team. But is there a dominant team?
3: No. There's not a dominant team because even the higher or better teams in the AFC have flaws. Um, look, you know, for what it's worth, when you take a look at, say, New England and Indianapolis, what Indianapolis did to New England, New England did to Buffalo, just doesn't normally happen. You don't. It's not, I wouldn't say it's unheard of to only have to throw the ball maybe a couple of times in order to win, but you usually don't have guys that take over football games where they rush almost for 200 yards on on an opposing team when they load the box. You know, it rarely happens, but – you know, New England did it to Buffalo a few weeks ago, and Buffalo had nine guys in the box. They were loading the box, and, they were, and New England was still able to only have to throw three, four times. And I think in that Indianapolis-New England game, Carson Wentz only threw about four times. Uh, but Jonathan Taylor had a, a wonderful day. Um, You're seeing sort of a reemergence of the run and what most people deem as a, a, a passing league or a passing system these days. And it's absolutely essential this time of year because, first of all, for the mo- most of our defenses... there's poor tackling out there. So as the game wears on, you see a bunch of guys just either hit with a shoulder or don't try to wrap up with their arms because they're too, too tired. And then the running backs, the stronger running backs are able to take over. And that's one of the reasons why a guy like Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb are having such tremendous years.
0: So the Patriots and Bills are about to play again, second time in three weeks. Do you trust the Bills? People don't like Bill Belichick and that (laughs) scowling mug over there on the sideline. Is he going to crack, you know, just barely almost kind of sort of a smile after another win?
3: You know, what's interesting to me on that part is that people can say what they want about Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, and when given time to prepare for an opponent... They're just effective, and that's just good coaching. I mean, who would ever thunk the system that they would have in place when they, uh, when they played the Bills the last time, that they would be able to run the ball as effectively they did in the conditions. Now, I don't know if it's necessarily going to happen to happen that, this time. I think Mac Jones needs to have a bounce-back season, but, you know, for a quarterback, uh, his best friend is a run game. And being able to have the run game at his, at his disposal allows him to create a lot more balance in the offense. But for the Bills, your back is against the wall. I think your identity is definitely questioned because you, not too long ago, you were viewed as one of the dominant or the favorite teams to win the Super Bowl. Now you can't even beat your your, your divisional nemesis, You know, much like the Raiders in, the, in Kansas City. If you can't dethrone the king, you can't ever be the king. So um, it's got to be up to the Bills to try to even a score. And I don't know what they do game plan-wise because it wasn't like they Weren't able to move the ball against New England. They just didn't have, the, you know, as much uh, the, uh, privilege of scoring. Uh, I, I think it'll be different this time around. But of course, it also depends on the conditions in New England game day.
1: I'm wondering if you got bad news for my sister. And what I mean by that is she's a longtime Cardinals season tickets holder. You know, I've got my roots there. Yeah. And I never thought that they were a 10-2 and two team. I'm not even right. sure they're a 10-4 and four team. But nevertheless, that's where they find themselves at. And I'm wondering, is this going to be the biggest fall from grace where you thought that they were a shoe-in and then maybe they don't even make it as far as the postseason?
3: Well, I think they'll make the postseason. I think they're too far along to really – sort of fall that far. I don't think they're going to lose, even though the opponents are taking over like this weekend and Indianapolis Colts is, is a challenge. You know what? The, the Detroit game shows me, it makes more apparent than anything is what we've seen sort of the theme all season I mean the, the Miami Dolphins start off in the hole and then they end up winning like six straight six or seven straight whatever it is you didn't you didn't think that especially with that inept offense but you know they were able to find a way to get it together anybody can be beaten on any day and and you throw the records out the window a lot of times and that's the great thing about when I, I talked to Brent about sports betting you know he's like these spreads you think you take it for granted who's the favor and how to bet and so like but you just never know Credit the Detroit Lions for throwing all the caution to the win. Some people thinking they were you know, slouching so they could get that top pick, uh, take away from Jacksonville or whatever, or keep it from Jacksonville. Um, and they want to win games. I've never been one of those guys, especially in the NFL locker room, where you could, you, you could coach to lose or you could play to lose. Everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to win. It doesn't matter. So um, in response to the Cardinals' question, you know, I think they're still a good, solid team. They've got a number of wide receivers, but now with Hopkins gone, that that leaves a big, casts a big shadow. Um, Kyler Murray, to me, they're going to have to find a way to work out more plays to get the ball to Zach Ertz. They're trying so hard to get to A.J. Green, it's almost to uh, to a fault um, that they want to go that way. And I just don't think the overall timing and understanding between Kyler Murray and A.J. Green are there. There are a lot of times where I see his facial reaction, after a throw or in a game or after a play, where he's expecting A.J. to do something different than he did. And, that again, that goes back to chemistry. It, it takes time to develop. And because a lot of teams don't practice due to COVID and other restrictions, sometimes their timing is hard to get without a, a true offseason.
0: Raider radio analyst Lincoln Kennedy joining us here. The Bucks have just been hit hard by injuries. Chris Godwin. Uh, Leading receiver, ACL, done for the year. Leonard Fournette, done for the regular season. They're hoping their leading running back can come back for the playoffs, but that's definitely an if right now. Are the Green Bay Packers, in your mind, clearly the number one team as we sit here today?
3: Well, you know, back to the Buccaneers, you know, Brady looked like a grumpy old man for first, yeah. first time in a long time, right? He did. <laughs> Things that didn't he go there way. Um, it, It's It's any given week, anybody can take over that front spot. I think the Green Bay Packers have enough momentum especially finding ways to win, and that's when you have a capable and savvy quarterback that comes into play. Look, the Green Bay Packers could have been playing the Super Bowl last year if they would have managed, if LaFleur would have managed the clock a lot better than he did in the Tampa Bay game, because there's no reason, in my opinion, that you a know, quarterback throwing three interceptions should have won that football game. Um, but, you know, to me, it was poor clock management and poor decision-making that caused them to lose that game. I think they're a lot better off this year, and I think Aaron Rodgers has a lot more say about that. You know, just a Having a veteran quarterback who knows the game through and through. And now he's got a couple of receivers. And when people concentrate on Adams, he can go to uh, Scanley, the the, the other guy, or or some of his other receivers to make them viable. But um, it, it looks like Green Bay has a strong, and their defense is playing a lot better too, so I think they have a strong chance.
1: You think Urban gets back into coaching at the college level?
3: After you look at the tail of tape, what he's did, At the programs that he did, and there's there's always been some shadows that have been cast everywhere he went. If I'm a region, I have a hard time doing it. And the reason why is that this is a man who has to go into people's houses and convince their parents to give their kids up. I don't know if that happens, especially when you look at all the things that have have sort of followed him around uh, and the questionable decisions that he made. I think it's got to be – I'm not saying that it's never going to happen again, but I think you've, you really have to let the dust st- settle. And we've seen other coaches in the past sort of have to have that, uh, you know, things happen and they, the dust has to settle for a couple of years. You find them at a smaller program, they kind of work their way back up. You know, And, and for what it's worth, if, if I'm a Meyer, to be honest with you guys, because there was health concerns in the past, I think I'd be done. I mean, if you want, if you want to live, I, sometimes you can't get it out of your system. I get that. You always have the itch, and, the, and, and especially when you're coaching. But you talk about the the, the the scandals, the publicity, the press, everything that's followed you around uh, your career, your coaching career, where you've been, and now this, and now you figure out that if the Jacksonville Jaguars are able to get out of paying him his money, and eh, just go on the TV, be easy.
0: You're on a. Committee, we didn't really know much about. <clears throat> we just heard about it in the last couple of days. The Pac-12 yeah. Advisory Committee, former yeah. players. Uh, what What is the main goal there? What do you hope to bring to the table there? What would you like to accomplish?
3: To try to make the Pac-12 more viable in a national presence.
0: How are you going to do that?
3: Well, that's a good question. <laughs> that's what we're trying to figure out. You know, you're you're up against the popularity of the SEC, the ACC. Uh, as well as the Big Ten. And I think the new TV contract is going to come out in a couple of years. So you're trying to make, um, I think it's two years, if I'm not mistaken. I want to say 23 or 24. Um, But what you you want to do is you want to try to make the Pac-12 look as tantalizing as some of those other conferences, not only to players and bowl committees, but also to the TV presence. And and the thing is, is that the way to do it is you you know we have to find a way to work with NIL like a lot of other conferences and schools have done um, to make, you know, Utah has a great NIL program and, and, and talk about a program and I hope they have, I wish them the absolute best in and, um, and, and the, and the Rose Bowl. It's absolutely essential that the Pac-12 finds a way to win games, especially in a national presence, um, to, to show, to make themselves look more lucrative because you've got recruits that are in the West that are going to the Midwest, the South, and the East. That should not happen. Uh, once upon a time, they didn't leave. They played here. So to have Lincoln Riley in the, in the, in the Pac-12 is essential. To have the Pac-12 win bowl games is absolutely essential uh, going forward. But uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make the Pac-12 more viable, more lucrative, not only to recruits, uh, to coaches, and to overall the presence, the media presence, to show that you know, it's, it's a true destination of sorts that you want to go to and you want to send your kids to.
0: I've never gotten why there are so many big division games so early in the season. The conference never gives itself a chance to have uh, Utah, an ASU, a USC, whoever's up, maybe UCLA will be, where it's 8-0 versus 8-0 or 7-1 versus 8-0. They play them so early and they play the cross-division games late. Utah and Oregon is just routinely a November game. Yeah, Oregon-Washington. I know it's a rivalry because I've lived in the West my whole life. I'm not right. convinced that most of the country knows that, but if they always played on the first Saturday in November and had a chance to be 8 no versus 8 no or 7-1 versus right. 7-1 or something like that, it would seem to have a little more sizzle. I don't, I don't get that.
3: Well, that's, that's the thing that, uh, that you know, uh, like Martin Hanks, who's the co-commissioner of the, the, of the conference, is, is some of one of the things that we're talking about. The rivalry games need to be set up to make bigger. The, the issue becomes, and I think there's still the Pac-12 is the only conference that does it, the round robin of nine games, conference games. Uh, that's, that becomes the issue because the, when you're scheduling, you know, you'll have coaches and athletic directors who put themselves and say, well, you know, I don't want to play SC this early in the season. I want to give us the time to get, get warmed up. But I remember, you know, for the most part, the most of the times that we played SC when I was in Washington was early in September. Um, whether it was in Los Angeles or Seattle. So, but you, you, you're right about that Oregon-Washington game. The Northwest rivalries were a little bit a little bit closer to the cuff later in the season. But in the SEC, like, most notably, you've got places like where Alabama's going to play LSU the week before they're playing either you know, uh, Tijuana Tech or, or, or some, some school or have the week off before they're playing that big game. You don't have the schedule tampering as much in the Pac-12 as you do in other conferences.
0: Gotta fly the Citadel out to the old West Coast for some November football. <laughs> hey,
3: i will sleep on a the Citadel. <laughs> there you go.
0: Hey, Lincoln, we appreciate the time. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We will talk to you again and enjoy the football.
3: Hey guys, happy holidays to you and your fans. And I tell everybody to be safe out there, and please don't drink a drive.
0: Lincoln Kennedy, Raider Radio Analyst, Pac 12 Network Analyst, join us right here on 975 and 1280 the zone. David Locke, Radio Voice of the Jazz, 15 minutes away. Stay with us. <laughs> This is Hanson Scotty? Let's do it. Frank Schwab joins us from Yahoo Sports. Tyler Huntley. Is he going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL at
1: some point next season or the following? Um, Maybe the following, but here's my thing. If I'm the Ravens, my starter plays a certain style. Lamar Jackson, he runs a lot. He's exposed more to injury than most quarterbacks. Now, I'm not trading this guy. Why would I? He's a perfect backup. He's a great backup. So, do I think he's a starter next year? I honestly don't just because I don't. why would the Ravens trade him at this point? But once you get closer to him, when he can become a free agent and all that, like maybe at that point you start to
0: make some decisions. But I think he's one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the league just based on what you've seen the last couple weeks. He really brings something. It's it's actually shocking he didn't get drafted based on his skill set and what the NFL. A lot of NFL teams are looking for these days. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to three on 97.5 1280 The Zone, powered by KSLSports.com. It's the fifth annual Black Friday sale. It's been extended through December at Davis Vision. Tired of glasses or contacts? Get LASIK now and save $1,400. There are limited spots available, so act now. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Question of the day. Best sports theme Christmas gift you've given or received? And who's getting Rose Bowl tickets for Christmas? PK, a little twist on this. David says, "My son and I are going to the Cotton Bowl to see Alabama play Cincinnati. Most awesome game I will have ever seen in person."
1: How do you know? <laughs>
0: because he says later, uh, "I'm a lifelong Alabama fan." Somebody went oh, at him with basically uh, that.
1: Yeah, so, I'm, I, of course you are. i the, the lifetime of Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama. I'm a fan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tyler went back at him. How do you know the game's going to turn out to be awesome? I bet Alabama wins saying. 49 to 10. Not a most awesome game in my opinion. I hope I'm wrong. It's a good game for you and your son, but I wouldn't bet on it. Oh, David, yeah. David says I hope it's 49-10 Bama cuz I'm a lifer.
1: Well, I guess then that's uh, something that will be awesome for you if your team wins. Whether it's by one point or 40, I mean, the rest of us, if it's a 40-point blowout, click. But if you're a fan of that particular team that's winning by 40, you th- you'll you think it's yeah. awesome. So I understand where he's coming from there.
0: There is a I'm long a- history of semifinal blowouts. There have been a lot of them.
1: I'm a, I'm a lifelong Alabama fan, too. I go back to Joe Namath. Pennsylvania Pennsylvania's just right down the street from me. That's <laughs> where he grew up. Nice. Joe Namath, how old would that make you right now? He'd be
0: like 70-something.
1: Joe Namath? No, you you could be 10 years old and be a lifelong fan of Joe Namath. What are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense.
0: Well, that (laughs) that would make you 65.
1: You could be 10 years old and be a lifelong fan of Joe Namath. I was a lifelong fan of Willie Mays, and he was done before I ever saw him play. I don't know what you're talking about there. You need to remember Joe playing at Alabama. Come on now. That's not true. I don't remember Willie Mays playing for the New York Giants.
0: We will commence with this in just a moment.
1: But first,
0: it's time to welcome in Melissa Broderick, Director of Supporting Housing Services at the Road Home. Melissa, good morning.
2: Good morning. How are you?
0: I'm sorry you had to hear that, Melissa. It's okay. <laughs> All right. So the Road Home, the Mediathon, it continues right now. You've got people calling and making donations at 801-819-7300, 801-819-7300. And at theroadhome.org. As Director of supporting Supportive Housing Services, what do you do? What do the supportive housing services look like for the Road Home right now?
2: Yeah, so the Road Home, we have many different housing programs, and they all come with some sort of case management. And uh, and depending on the program, we bring in whatever services are needed for the folks that are in our housing. So sometimes that's meals, sometimes that's doctor's appointments. We have all kinds of goals. We're working on with our folks, and our great case managers are just doing that day day in and day out.
0: There are people who are familiar with the uh, emergency overnight shelters, the one that used to be downtown. Uh, you've got the new facility in South Salt Lake, and you've got the Family Center down in Midvale. But there are other properties as well, Palmer Court, Wendell Apartments, the Magnolia. How do those all figure into your housing? What, what do they look like? How do they work?
2: Yeah, first, so what I do is I oversee all the services that are in the housing programs you just mentioned, the Magnolia, Palmer, Wendell. And then we have some scattered sites. Uh, places where that means folks are living in the community in an apartment and we bring the services to them. So the shelters, they've got, we've got about 60 housing-focused case managers that help folks that are in the shelters apply for the programs they qualify for. And then they come over to the services side and they move into their apartment and we assign them a case manager and we start working on the things they want to work on.
0: So when people make a donation right now at theroadhome.org or at 801-819-7300, they're supporting the overnight shelters, but they're supporting all these supportive services as well.
2: That's right. Let me give you an example. $32 donation will provide one night of emergency shelter for an individual. Uh, $45 covers an application fee, so we're always applying to apartments with folks, and we need that the, 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 the application fees. And $1,000 provides two and a half months of housing support for an individual, which is really awesome.
0: You can pick up the phone right now, 801-819-7300, or you can donate online at theroadhome.org. Make somebody's Christmas a little brighter. Theroadhome.org or 801-819-7300. Melissa, thanks a lot.
4: Thanks for having me.
0: DJ and PK, David Locks coming up next.